0: From American Salon Magazine and.com, I'm Gordon Miller, and this is American Salon Stories, our weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. I'm especially excited to be doing this podcast today. Um, if you've listened to our first six podcasts, or maybe it's seven now, I've had a lot of guys, and I have a really powerful woman with me here today. I'm really excited to be with Cassandra McLaughlin, aka Cassandra Platinum, somebody that I've met because of her presence on Instagram, and I'll say hashtag the power of social. She's a very successful salon owner, a fabulous colorist, outstanding educator, a power networker, and I have to say, an all-around smart person. Welcome, Cassandra, to the American Salon Stories Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with
0: you. I'm going to say this because I think it's fun to see behind the scenes. We just recorded the beginning of this, and um, I'm going to reference a couple things. So I screwed up the intro. I called you Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> and a, and a shout-out to Teb Finger over at Luxury yes. Brand Partners because I viewed your great video. You were a guest on his show, and he actually screwed up the pronunciation of your last name and did, um, Cassandra McLaughlin (laughs) and I managed to mash it all up. And now we're starting over. And so, you know, um, behind the scenes for everybody, I think it's a fun little something. And, um, so we've met, at a lot of real-time events now after learning about you on social, you've been on an American salon panel with us. We were recently at Redkin symposium together where you were a guest educator. Um, I've seen you all over the place. And um, I have come to believe because of those meetings, a, I think you're an old soul. I'm I, that's not, not normally something I would say, but I just feel that about you. And certainly I feel like you are like the den mother of pro beauty, social influencers.
1: <laughs> I've, I've- been told that before, too. I like to take care of people and and give help and advice where I can.
0: You you give some great advice. I've heard it, you know, both as an educator, and I I believe individually, you've got a great reputation amongst so many smart people in the industry. So let's get started by giving the audience some context. Tell us about yourself and what you're up to.
1: Well, I am a hairdresser of almost 11 years, and I have owned two salons. And currently, uh, the salon I have now is Platinum Salon in Tampa, Florida. And I've got an amazing team of colorists and cutters and we focus in the salon primarily on color correction but as a salon team and and personally we've really developed our marketing and branding through social media so that's had a huge impact on my career in the last two years um, primarily through Instagram and I'm also an independent educator and consultant so I travel and teach and I work with a few different companies currently I work um, on Redken's R-Team which is a newly developed social and digital media team Um, with B3. And I also have uh, recently um, got invited to be part of the new empowerment council um, from Luxury Brand Partners. So some exciting stuff happening.
0: Well, and back back to being a powerful woman, uh, the empowerment project is, I'm going to ask you to explain a little bit about that, because I think it's fascinating. I think it's a really cool and important initiative coming from our friends over at LBP. Yeah, it's
1: a really exciting, um, a uh, really exciting project started Um, with uh, Lindsay Bardnell and at luxury brand partners. And it's really, I would say the biggest thing that it does is it starts a conversation and it talks about something that's really impacted our industry. And one of the statistics I think that really spoke to me and really the reason why I decided to be part of it was that 84% of our our industry or close to 84%, it might be 82 um, are, are made up of women, but currently in major corporate positions and positions of leadership only they're only made up of 14% women currently. So the um, it's it's a very disproportionate skew on, on both ends of it. And I think more than anything, it's not about um, necessarily fighting for rights. It's about having a conversation about maybe what can be done to equalize the opportunity and making sure that the industries are really held to the same standard for, for men and women. And I, I'm very thankful because on the council, we have a great mix of men and women. So it's really been we just had our first meeting on, on March 8th, National, International Women's Day, and it was just an amazing, productive, kind, and heartfelt conversation had, and, and it's really forward thinking and proactive, and the, the council is made up of 14 amazing people, amazing, amazing people.
0: When I think, you know, I think it's important to say that it's an, it's an issue that's, I think, reflected across society, across industries, and how proud am I that our industry is tackling it and, and a view for being part of that. So really, really cool. Thank you so much. I I also want to, you mentioned, you know, being an independent educator. I think, you know, we're experiencing a, a huge transformation across the industry in so many ways because of social media. And I think the emergence of the independent educator is a part of that. And I'm really fascinated by kind of a new trend, which is independent educators working with brands. And I, I think it's transformative, and I, I'd love to get your take on that.
1: I agree. I think we've seen this shift over probably the last maybe year and a half, two years, where manufacturers are embracing the independent education educator as well. And it's really, I think the shift that we're seeing is that hairdressers are able to come in and really teach their own content in a way that's incredibly authentic and true. And it really is derived from their personal salon experience and salon reality. And I think in general, that's where education is going. People want to know the truth and they want maybe not just the show. They want the ins and outs of what's happening behind the chair and how to really create a successful salon business or how to do those nine hour color corrections or how to build a business off of balayage. They want the the actual answers to those questions and they want the tips and tricks on really how to do that and, and the inside scoop. And I think independent education really allows for the presentation of, of that information. It allows for those conversations to happen because it's derived from such a personal experience in the industry.
0: Well, and again, going back to social, it to me it feels very much like kind of the democratization of education and for educators because there, there was a way that education reached salons and there was ways that we went out and found it, you know, and it was, you know, the old school model was, was, was by way of large events, by way of brands, all good stuff. Um, But there's only so many platforms, um, only so many places where you can go to. Not everybody can get to them. A lot of people don't realize that only about 20 30% of the industry gets to a big show in a given year. And with social, what we saw was a whole, perhaps new generation, but I don't know if that's the right word, but a, a lot of new talent kind of emerging, and social was the catalyst for that. And you're, and you're a part of that.
1: I agree. I feel like I kind of have experienced both sides of the coin because when I started education uh, for Paul Mitchell about seven years ago, I actually taught my very first class in Batesville, Arkansas, which is, I don't even know how big of a town, but it's really small. <laughs> I had to drive <laughs> hours through a mountain to get there. And I saw a small town salon that was starved for education. They, they wanted information. And because I just so happened to be a new educator locally, I started being able to go into some of these small towns. The game has completely shifted and changed where one everybody has got a significantly greater opportunity to be seen and had their have their voice heard because of an online presence. And also on the flip side, education is more readily available no matter where you're located. And I think that as it has has shifted the industry hugely because it's it's bringing trends and information and excitement and inspiration I think almost a whole new level of seriousness to our industry in a certain way like it's people are really viewing not not just hairdressers but but I think throughout the whole social world they're viewing what we do as a true art form and they're recognizing the value to it even more I think than I've ever seen in the last 11 years of being a hairdresser.
0: Including consumers who have been exposed to, I mean, the hair color they're seeing. The fact that braids have, I think, been elevated to a whole new, to an art form, number one, but from a commercial aspect, uh, as someone who's been in the industry a long time, I I think I'd be like, who would have ever thought that braids would be what it is today? And because of social, it is. And again, it's been elevated.
1: And I think it started other conversations too. Like you said, the consumers are really, attaching value to what they're seeing. And I think I mean truthfully, and we've, we've spoke about this, pricing is sometimes been one of those like taboo subjects to have with uh, speaking with other hairdressers or it's as a new hairdresser, you're afraid to talk you know money with with new guests and things like that. But I think it's really opened everyone's eyes to seeing the work that goes into some of these colors or seeing you know the value of, of having um, like you were saying the braids that that talent to be able to create those intricate styles. It's almost added a level and of value to our services as hairdressers, which I think has elevated the whole industry.
0: I have like 20 things I want to talk to you about. And I, I, I always like to ask somebody this question. So I'm going to start here and I want to dig into some of your experience in the salon and also your journey. But talk for a moment about the best advice anybody's ever given you professionally and, and why you would think that might be relevant to our audience.
1: You know, it's... it's it was such a hard thing to think about because I've been so fortunate to have so many amazing mentors. And I think I've picked up so many different pieces of advice, but I think if I could kind of piece them together and almost tell you the best lesson I've learned. And I think the truth is it's, it's what we talked about a little bit earlier about being true to yourself and authentic is a big part of it. But I also think it's, it's being willing to stand up for yourself and say yes to the right things and no to the right things and doing it in a kind and heartfelt manner, but also doing it unapologetically and having that clarity on who you are. And I think all the pieces of advice that I've got have almost like culminated into that direction of, of who are you? What do you want? And really, where do you see yourself in the long run? And I think having answers to those questions and then having truthfully the guts to say no to the right things, just as much as you say yes, I think is, has been one of the strongest lessons I've ever learned in this industry. And I think it's important to to have that confidence in yourself.
0: I love that. So 11 years, um, probably feels like a long time, but it's actually a relatively short career and you've accomplished so much. And I, right from the get-go knowing you, I I thought there's got to be an interesting story as to how you got here, how you got to this industry. And you've told me some of it, but but why don't you share your backstory of how you ended up in the professional beauty industry?
1: Yeah, it is a kind of an interesting roundabout way because I actually had no intention of ever being a hairdresser. I always had a tremendous love for the industry. And I was fortunate to go to amazing hairdressers growing up ever since I was 16 and completely messed my hair up once. And my mom brought me to this amazing hairdresser in Tampa and he fixed it. (laughs) Um, I I always had a great relationship with hairdressers. And so um, I was just really valued and loved my hairdressers. I only had two in my whole life. And, um, I, I remember, um, one in particular, Darren, he used to always tell me, he's like, you should be a hairdresser. You should be a hairdresser. I'm like, no, I'm going to college. My dad was very adamant about me going to college. I was the only one out of, out of their four children that had the opportunity to actually go. And so, um, I was three years in. I was a junior, uh, pursuing my English degree and I had a, just a moment of clarity of, of saying, you know, I'm really not sure what I want to do with this. What do I actually want to do with my life? And I remember sitting on the couch at my parents, was my house at the time, but uh, with my parents. And I um, I just had this epiphany. I, I It kind of came up from my gut. And I was like, I want to do hair. And I had made a decision at that moment. I think it was always kind of brewing in my head, but I never really acknowledged it because I thought, you know, I have to go to college. I have to graduate So I I literally made a decision at that moment that that's what I wanted to do. And currently at that stage in Tampa, there wasn't really a lot of options for beauty schools. So I was like, I don't care. I'll find one. I'll do what I have to do. And it's really serendipitous because that week I actually had an appointment, um, a hair appointment with my hairdresser. And he just came up to me towards the end of my service. He's like, I almost forgot. He's like, I saved this for you. I don't know why I thought of you. And he handed it uh, an invitation to a grand opening of the Paul Mitchell school that was opening in Tampa. And oh my gosh, yeah, it was just, it was one of those moments where I just like, you know, goosebumps kind of situation. And so I took the invitation and the grand opening was in the next couple of days. And I went and I sat in the parking lot and I saw all these people coming in and they were all dressed up and I didn't know what to expect. And I am by nature, a very, shy and introverted person. And I ended up sitting in my car and not going into the grand opening. I got nervous. And so I ended up not going in. But long story short, I called, um, made an appointment, took a tour. And I was in the first class of the Paul Mitchell School here in Tampa, which was awesome. And it's all history from there.
0: (laughs) Now, just out of curiosity, how did your dad take this?
1: Well, he was not thrilled to begin (laughs) with you know, and, and we kind of joke about it now, but, um, I remember that was one of probably one of the scariest conversations to have because I did know for him that it was really important that I go to college and, and I felt an obligation to really honor the fact that they were paying for my college education, but I also knew, um, in my heart what the right decision was for me. And so, Sitting down and talking to my dad, I know at the moment he probably didn't understand, but eleven years later <laughs> he is a hundred percent in support of the decision and and I think really sticking with it and doing my best over the last ten eleven years um, I think he he gets it now he understands and he's very proud of me so I'm very thankful for that
0: I love that so. At what point did you know that you were drawn to the, more the business side? Because you, you know, it's not for everybody to be in the business of beauty, to be a salon owner, to manage people, to lead a team. When did you feel that?
1: You know, I think that that's been something that's really developed over the last maybe five or six years. Because I, I had a salon in Missouri in a small town called, called West Plains. And that was such an amazing learning experience. I, I had the salon there for almost five years. And it was on a small scale and it gave me kind of the space I needed to, to figure some things out. And so when I opened the salon here in Tampa, I came in with almost like a little bit of the learning curve already passed. I I had some things already that I knew were really important. And as the team grew, I realized how important it was to really educate myself on the business side to make solid decisions, especially when they're impacting other people. And I think through that process, really my love for um, figuring things out kind of came to the fore. And I think by nature, I'm a problem solver. I'm a fixer. And it's actually one of my top six strengths is strategic problem solving. And so I think with the business side, and especially in hair salons, a lot of it is is really thinking through potential problems before they actually become problems and finding the solutions and being proactive. And through that, and also with social, really thinking through the marketing strategies and really looking at it from a business aspect I think my love and my information kind of pool grew for the business and marketing and social. And it's just something that I think it's almost like the next step of my career. Like I really, for the first few years, took on hair color and educated myself on chemistry and things like that. And this is almost the next evolution of really, you know, educating myself and, and diving into the business side of it. And I, I love it. I love, I love everything about it, truthfully.
0: And at what point did social media start to play a role in, in I guess, your professional life, but also your business life?
1: It really made an impact on me when I moved back to Tampa from Missouri. So in 2000 and middle of 2013, um, I, I found myself in a place that many hairdressers do, and that's starting to build a clientele from scratch. Anytime you move or you do anything to start over, you, you're really building um, from nothing. And so, at that time, I had the choice of kind of going back to the ways that I originally built my clientele, which was business cards, word of mouth, and essentially building it one client at a time. And what I saw at that moment was the emergence of social media really starting to create an impact on our industry. And so I made a decision when I moved to Florida that I was really going to utilize social media to grow my business. That was going to be, instead of handing out business cards, I was going to post my work. And there was a lot of trial and error. But um After figuring some things out and really putting a lot of hours into it, I would say when I was first building, I would put upwards of 20 hours a week into figuring out collages, layouts, time of day to post, and really analyzing and studying what really the impact of social media is, what what got more response, things like that. And that's how I started to grow my clientele. And it really... It, it almost snowballed. And I like to think of it as exponential growth versus linear growth. Linear growth would be one, two, three, four. Exponential growth would be one, two, four, um, eight, 16 kind of situation. And I think that's really a beautiful way to grow a clientele now. And what I discovered that my first go round of build, building a clientele, what took about three years to build, I was able to do in less than one. And so it really cuts down that time of, of that You know, the growth period. And I think it's an amazing opportunity we have. And then, as a salon, one thing that's really impacted us is that through the last three years of tracking um, where our our guests come from, 95% of them are coming directly from social media. They're coming from Instagram, that's where they're finding us. And I think that's a huge benefit for a salon because, one, we have so much control over our marketing and our message that we put out there. And to be honest, as a new business, It is a free source of advertising. It just takes time and energy and intention behind it. Um, So for three years of being in a business, our our advertising budget has been less than a $1,000. And I think that's really powerful for business nowadays to really recognize that this is a really impactful platform to grow not only a profitable business, but also to grow the kind of business that you want. You have a really great opportunity to almost handpick the kind of clientele that you want to see in your chair. And, and it's an amazing, it's an amazing shift that it's created in our industry. It's been hugely impactful on my career.
0: When I, and I think importantly for the audience, you know, the time, the energy and the intention, I think have always been keys to building success, whether, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, today, what's changed are the tools that are available to us. And what you're talking about, I think as a, as a business owner and as a professional are finding efficiencies in how you do things. And so just talk about efficiency as a business owner, but also how that plays into social and things you've learned.
1: Well, you know, I my presentation that I did at symposium, I really, the, the thought process I went behind it was looking from a business owner's perspective of putting time and energy into creating a marketing strategy. Every business mm-hmm. owner is gonna have some type of marketing. And I think at the beginning, sometimes they can feel a little scattered if you don't create a strategy. But the truth of the matter is the energy and the thought are gonna go somewhere. So really taking that opportunity to learn about social platforms, learn about the best way to engage and address your audience. And the key points that I thought were really important is first understanding the goals. Like what, what do you wanna do with your marketing? And then if you insert social in there, what do you wanna do with social? Who are you speaking to? Who's your audience? And really having that clarity and then finding your methods to creating the content that really relay that message. And I think if you start off with the answers to those questions first, then the content creation can become significantly more efficient. You're not just trying a bunch of things to see what sticks. You really find out what your brand is, what your message is, and then you can pinpoint the content that supports that. And once you get your system down, you know, which, what your photographic layout is, how are, what's, what's your branding, what's your message, what's your watermark, then you can really develop an efficient system for getting that content out there.
0: I love that. I love that. You're being very thoughtful. Um, but clearly, you've also educated yourself. So how did you come to know what you know? Like, What are some of the resources that you've tapped into? What's kind of helped you get to this level, knowing it's taken time?
1: I think the biggest thing truthfully is trial and error, and that would be the number one. And I think being willing to put something out there, seeing how, what the response is, and if it doesn't work, getting rid of it, <laughs> and then <laughs> taking note of what works, um, not being afraid to delete things, not being afraid to try something new, um, and and just seeing what works with your particular audience. And I also think it's having a little bit of introspection in the beginning, having some answers to what kind of business you want to build, who do you want to be as a hairdresser, all of those, you know, questions about yourself that really prevent you from going far off track with your message. And so for me, there's times where I've done certain things, and I'm like, should I post it or not post it? And if it doesn't fit with my brand, and if it doesn't fit with my message, then it it really shouldn't be posted. And those are hard decisions to make sometimes, especially if you feel emotionally attached to something some work that you've done or things like that. So I think it's, the first thing would be trial and error. And then also just knowing yourself really well. And then, of course, tapping into resources, especially now, there are so many avenues to to go online and engage with influencers and ask questions. There's education that's based on social and digital media marketing, there's so many different resources available. So that I I always look for things to learn about, you know, no matter what, you always have to keep learning um, about whatever field you're in. And I think our resources are plentiful for learning about social and digital media marketing right
0: now. I'll say um, YouTube. Can you say YouTube? I use YouTube for everything. I'm, I'm doing a crockpot dinner tonight and I got it off of YouTube. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, the, the crockpot is back. It's my second time around. I remember it from when I was a kid. Um, you said something, you said a word that was hanging in my head, listening to your response, and that was brand. And, um, it's such a powerful word. Um, I think it's overused sometimes now, and I don't think everybody understands it, but uh, how important is the idea of brand for a salon and for a professional? And do you have any thoughts around it?
1: I think it's almost every, like, it's not almost, I think it is everything. I think it is what allows you to make really important decisions relatively easily because I think it creates that almost that pathway of a yes or a no. It either fits or it doesn't. And I think no one else can answer that question for you of what is your brand um, and and who are you as a hairdresser who are you as a salon or as a business but I think having a clarity and a focus of that answer lets a lot especially when it comes to marketing lets a lot of those decisions be made very easily. And in my mind I'm a very visual person. I almost picture like a straight path. And things either fit in that path or they're outside the path. And if they're outside the path, you don't do them. You know what I mean? Like you just walk down that road. And I think having having clarity on your brand is everything. And and I think it's not an effective business strategy to try and be all things to all people. I think you need to be something to someone specific and have the that something and that someone answered what that is.
0: It's a really powerful thought. And, and I think it's when I work my way through Instagram, and I'm I'm looking at salons and at professionals individually, I think one of the biggest things that I see missing from a feed, you know, where we kind of scroll through, and not not the feed so much, but a page, we judge, especially consumers, we judge whether we're going to hit that follow button or not by what we see. And too often, what I don't see is clarity around the brand, around what that salon stands for, what that experience might feel like, what that hair looks like. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
1: I think that that's especially when someone's making that choice to follow or not follow or engage on social. I think that almost like thumbnail view of, of who you are should be readily apparent. And I've spoken in a couple of schools and I, I would say my first question is, one, do they know immediately that you're a hairdresser? Is that readily apparent? And then two, can they tell what kind of hairdresser you are? And I think that those two questions should be almost immediately answered in those first 12 thumbnails. And if they're not, then you're not going to attract the right people. And I think that that is one of the most beautiful things about social is that we've got the power to attract the right kind of guests in our chair. Our salon is built 90% off of large color services and color corrections. So, To be truthful, we don't post retouches. We post our large color transformations. But that's what we generate more uh, business from in our salon. And so I think just having that answer to that question creates such a bigger impact than if someone's wondering. And if they have to wonder for too long, they're just going to pass your page by. And then you lose the really the impact behind what social can really do for a business.
0: And that goes that speaks again to your point on the power of intention. Because you really, you know, you have intention around how you approach posting and the content that you create.
1: Yeah, I think intention behind everything is, is probably one of the most powerful things that, that a human being can do. Because I think if you're intentional with them, with what you're doing, you're actually very present and you're thoughtful and everything has got a purpose. And when things have purpose behind them, they go so much farther and they've got so much more power behind them. And I think, you know, sometimes I, I've spoken to hairdressers and they're like, well, you know, I've posted and I don't know why I'm not getting these results, but then you start diving a little deeper and they're just trying, but they don't know what they're trying for. And I think having that thought process of what are you trying to accomplish with this post? What message are you trying to convey or who are you trying to speak to? And pretty soon, when, once you ask yourself those questions enough times, it, it becomes a little bit more um, easy, more automatic. You, you automatically can. Get that sense of if this fits or if this doesn't fit or you know if it if it's not working the way that you want you can go back through and really look at maybe maybe it missed the mark on some of those the answers to those questions and I think just having thought and attention behind everything even when I was really focusing on teaching color I, I would always bring that point to the fore with, with my education because you don't just put a formula on someone's head and fingers crossed and hope it works think through the steps ahead of time you think through the formulating steps. You really consider what's currently on someone's head and and you think through those uh, processes and then you end up with a significantly more successful color service. I know with a lot of my young stylists, if they came and asked me a question about a formula or a process, my very first question to them is, what's your game plan? Talk me through what your plan is. And they always know to come through with step one, step two, step three. And then we talk through the game plan versus me just handing over the solution to it. And I think just developing that thought process and teaching in teaching, I think it's really important to teach people almost how to think versus how to do. And I think just having that thought process behind it is, is so powerful and so impactful.
0: And it applies to everything. I mean, it applies to haircutting, you know, going into that haircut with a plan, with intention to color, to, to all the services and certainly to business and career.
1: Yeah. I I don't think that there's a lot of successful businesses, careers, Hair colors, haircuts that are built off of a process of just winging it. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think that that works very often. And and um, if it does, it's probably not super consistent. And I think, you know, you were talking about efficiency. I think having intention increases efficiency because you start doing things purposefully and you know what works and you stick with what works.
0: So I want to add another thought to that, and and, and that kind of has to do with context when it comes to like knowing whether something's good or good enough, you know, talking about color services or haircuts, you know, if you, if you don't have great role models, if you've never seen truly great color, I mean, if that's possible, if you've never seen it, how do you know you're there? You know, how, how important is it that you expose yourself to great work and, and know great work and, and use it as a reference point to measure how well you're doing or not?
1: I think that really starts off, first of all, kind of knowing what kind of work that you want to do, and then really seeking out a mentor or even if it's a digital presence, but seeking out someone who is doing the kind of work that you want to do and really informing yourself on the nuances of it and really paying attention to the details. I think that creates such an informed approach to either color services or business or cutting. And I think no matter where you are in your career, there's always space and need for, for mentorship and and being taught something and I think we've all got areas that can be refined and developed and it's the the biggest sources of of impact in my career would be other people truthfully and just learning from other people and one of the game changers for me is is really these micro moments of advice or ahas or or just that kind of conversation with people where mentors really have, have created a lot of change in my career but also just taking the opportunity to learn and to look and always be discovering new people, especially on digital marketing. I mean, that's it or on social media. It's been huge.
0: Have you always been somebody who's just been have easily opened yourself up to mentorship or found mentorship? And and has that always been who you are? Did you get there? And, and if you always have been that way, you know, what advice would you have for someone who's trying to get there?
1: I don't know that I've always been like this. I think that it's it's something that I've discovered as a hairdresser in the beginning of my beauty career, how important it is to seek um, help, truthfully. But I think growing up, I was, I'm was i an incredibly strong-willed person in some regard, and I always thought that I had the answers and, and could do whatever I wanted, and I still believe that about myself to a certain extent. But I think once you become a hairdresser and you realize, one, how important it is what we do and how how hard it can be to really learn it. I think you develop very quickly, the, or I developed very quickly the idea that I, I do need mentors. And once I realized and kind of made myself open to that concept, all the mentors I needed came, ended up coming in my life. And I've had some very, I feel like I've had a lot, but I've had a few very specific, really important mentors in my life that have really changed the trajectory of my career in a lot of different ways. And I, as I look back on that, it's just There's so much gratitude and love for that, and I think that that also transitions to me really wanting to mentor other people. And I think that combination, to me, it, it just it feels so wonderful to be able to look back on my career and realize that there were people there that were willing to be there for me, willing to talk me through different scenarios, or just simply give me information and educate me. I think that that is. One of the most amazing things um, in our industry, too, is that we do have a lot of people that are willing to offer that kind of mentorship and help. And, and once you're open to it, it's amazing how, the, how life provides the right mentors at the right time.
0: And it, and it's, it is, as you point out, it's, it's such a giving industry. And I think, again, some people get blocked and they, they lose so much by not making themselves available to that. How important is showing up? Because I see you everywhere, and um, and there's an investment, right, of time. You're leaving your salon. You're you're leaving home. Talk a little bit about that, because I don't know how big a part of your career that's been. Or
1: you know, it's funny. I was talking to my my mom the other day, and I kind of had a little epiphany about myself, and and I discovered something that's been really important to me is almost the idea of collecting relationships, of of developing really legitimate connections with other people, and and developing those type of relationships and i think where we're at right now we have got so many beautiful opportunities to network and interact with people that we maybe 10 years ago would have never met and i truly value that and so i've taken every opportunity i can to show up to the places where i know that i want to be around that group of people just because of of the connection and the relationship and and the common love we share for our industry. And and I just think that you've got to trust your instincts. And I know in my heart, I'm, there's certain times where I'm like, I know I need to be here. And I don't know exactly why. And so I just trust myself and I go and every time I've shown up in the right places, it's, it's really just I've ended up having an amazing conversation with someone or developing an amazing relationship. And I think that it's been such a huge part of my career over the last maybe two years with with social media is developing online relationships and then transitioning to human in-person relationships. And I think just showing up and being present at these places, it's been, it's been amazing. I've developed some invaluable friendships and mentorships and, you know, all kinds of, of different connections that I, you wouldn't have necessarily unless you see someone face to face. And it's been amazing.
0: I love that. And to listeners, I would say that you're in the minority. And I think by observing you, you know, as a role model, that's an opportunity for everybody who's trying to figure out what to do next and if they're not there yet because the fact that the majority aren't putting themselves out there, um, they aren't walking up and saying hi and introducing themselves and looking for advice. Um, Again, there's a lot of space in the industry for people to step up and become connected and elevate their careers and they they just have to take that step.
1: I agree and I remember there was... A moment early on in my career where I heard heard the concept of fearlessness, like being kind of a fearless hairdresser, and I think that that's something that really resonated in in my head. And I remember just thinking through it one time and just kind of ruminating on it because by nature I'm I'm a really shy person, and I mean I grew up incredibly shy. I used to hide when we had company come over. I would hide in my parents' room for hours. Um, but I remember finding different ways of of really thinking about how how to move past that, and that started off with developing relationships with my guests in my chair? How do I get past that shyness and really learn how to make it about another person, make my service about another person? But I think fearlessness or that concept has played a role in in my career in that there's certain things that I'm always going to be afraid to do. But the second I feel that fear, I have this drive to want to do it anyways. And so I think kind of developing that quality of, you know, I'm afraid to go up and talk to this person. Okay, I'm going to go do it anyways. I'm going to go find a point of connection and say hello. And I think coming from an authentic place, coming from a genuine place of of really wanting to create a human connection, I think automatically the right relationships will come into your life. So I would say to anybody out there who's maybe afraid to put themselves out there, whether it's digitally or in person, do it anyways, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Find, find that spot where you're gonna push yourself past that boundary and it's amazing what comes out of it i there's been so many decisions that I've made that I've been terrified to make but I knew it was the right decision and on the other end of it I have been so thankful to make that decision and so I think you know what do they say it's um, success is right outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. you know so just being willing to take that step and and really just do it.
0: Um, a couple last questions as we begin to wrap up, but how in the heck do you find time for all this? How do you, how do you, how do you juggle the priorities in your life? Because you've, you've obviously got a lot of aspirations, a lot of goals. You have a business to run, you've got a team to lead, and then you've got these other projects. Just take as one last piece of advice, what, give us some thoughts on that.
1: You know, it, that's something I think that mentally we all probably struggle with is figuring out how to juggle different pieces. But I think one thing that I've really tried to do for myself is figure out, I call it in my head, it's when to hit the gas and when to hit the brakes and learning how to make a lot of um, work happen in a short amount of time and and really condensing what what my what I'm choosing to focus on and spending that time focused and and getting things finished versus leaving things half done. and then when to step back and really take some time away from everything and one that's kept my sanity to a certain extent, but it's also learning about setting boundaries and then being focused. And so, I would say the, the, biggest, the biggest piece to juggling it all is really giving yourself permission to have some balance and not holding yourself to a standard that's impossible to achieve because I've done that before too and it, it, you never feel like you'll ever do enough and that's a very destructive feeling. So really being willing to balance what you're doing, put your time and inten- intention behind the right tasks at the right time and then also knowing when to step back and giving yourself some space to breathe and to be a human being. I think that's been a really big part. And I also will say this, my salon team is a huge part of that because they are an incredible team. They have allowed me to be able to travel and do these things because they're incredibly responsible, incredibly self-sufficient. They do amazing work and, you know, they are a big part of why any of this is really possible.
0: Another great piece of advice: learning. You know, surrounding yourself with the right people. Absolutely. So I, I love to ask everybody. You know, what are you reading, listening to, viewing, and or obsessing about these days? Any any recommendations? Anything you're loving that you think our audience would benefit in hearing about?
1: So I just started um, the audiobook "Leaders Eat Last" by Simon Sinek, and I I'm loving that too. I it's my first. I've actually downloaded. I think. Start With Why and then um, Leaders Eat Last. So I actually just started listening to Leaders Eat Last. So it's my actual first audiobook book, I'm not reading. Um, and I also just started looking into, um, it's called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. I took a class down at, in Luxury Brand Partners uh, Studios in Miami. And it was a two-day class on fierce conversations. And to me, it was really a game changer for leadership and communication and rela- relationship building. Um, it's just a really great thought process of how to have open and honest conversation. And so those are the two books that I'm reading. And I've been recently listening to a ton of podcasts, including yours. Um, but I also, I love, um, I love Tony Robbins podcast.
0: Yes, me too. All, all on finance.
1: Yes, Well, he's got the one that's unshakable on finance, but his other podcast too, he's got some amazing guests on there. And he's got a couple that talk about um, culture and team building that are, have been really impactful. I've, I don't even know how many times I've listened to them.
0: I love that you mentioned audiobooks because I think everybody should be listening to audiobooks. I'm all about the earbuds. Um, and little tip, you probably know this, but what I love about audiobooks and podcasts, you can hit the like one and a half times or two times speed. Have you done that yet? I love like putting people on one and a half because it goes twice, It goes 50% faster and I get, I get more podcasts in.
1: You know, I did that on accident the other day. I didn't realize it. I'm like, why does this sound different? And I realized I had him, uh, it was Simon Spinnick sped up. And I was like, he sounds really strange in this chapter. And then I realized I had sped it up. But that's a great idea to get through it faster. I think that's awesome.
0: It can work as long as it doesn't come off a little bit too cartoonish. It depends on who you're listening to. Um, but I, I love that as, as a little tip. So, so tell us where people can find you online. Where can, where can our audience follow you and find you?
1: So my Instagram is Cassandra Platinum. And my salon's Instagram is Platinum Salon Tampa, and then I'm Cassandra Lane McLaughlin on Facebook, which is the longest name in all eternity. Um, but you can find me on Facebook, on Snapchat as Cass Platinum, um, and Instagram Cassandra Platinum.
0: Thank you so much, Cassandra, for being here with us. You you are one of my favorite people. I you're so smart. I love listening to you. I I just you have a great way with words. You've got a great way of putting thoughts together. Um, you're a role model for so many people. You are a, you're a role model for me. I love that you're here with us. Thank you for sharing with the American Salon podcast audience.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It was so much fun.
0: I hope we do it again soon. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow us on Instagram, where we are known as at American underscore salon, also at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to our free newsletter, your daily beauty fix. This is American Salon publisher, Gordon Miller. And I can't wait to bring you more American Salon Stories next week.